You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, episode 56, Hope in Desperate Times. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. Hey, thanks for joining me again this week. I uh, hope you're doing just great as a modern-day disciple of the Lord. I'm endeavoring to follow the Lord day by day, week by week, and trying to put all of His teachings into practice as I go about my day. And I know that if you're listening to this show, you probably are trying to do that as well. I appreciate all of you the feedback. In fact, today's show is the result of one of your emails uh, writing me and asking about hope and uh, despair and being in a difficult situation. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Hope in desperate times. And desperate times are subjective. Some people might look at a desperate time as having a broken finger. Uh, and uh, others might say, I, I was uh, in an accident and paralyzed. And then it's a desperate time. It could be desperate for both, as the broken finger could be a concert violinist who thinks that he or she... Uh, their their career is over. It's really subjective. But the point is, we want to talk about hope today. And hope is something that that we all need desperately in our lives, particularly in these days when there are times when we can feel hopeless. Whether you watch the news or uh, something on Facebook, Twitter, uh, a family reunion, uh, something at work can lead you to a sense of hopelessness. Man, we need hope. And hope is something that the Lord gives us every single day. So in this show, I want to talk about biblical hope. I want to talk about true hope and that you can walk in that hope. And what is the difference, frankly, between hope and hope, hopefully? You know, so many times people ask us questions and we say, well, I hope so, or hopefully, but we don't really stand on the hope that God gives us as a foundation of our life. Hey, before we get into the topic this week on hope, I want to encourage you to go to iTunes, go to the Google Music Play, uh, to uh, to go there and uh, rank the show, leave your comments. As I've said before, it does amazing things as far as raising the show up when people are looking for hope on uh, iTunes or Google, uh, they will come up with the show. It's happened over and over and over. And I'm so pleased to uh, to uh, to know that, that people have found the show due to the work that you've done in, in helping the show rise up in the ranks. And so I'm asking you to uh, just take uh, two or three minutes and do that. And I appreciate it. And be honest with your comments. I mean, if you enjoy the show, say it. If um, if you don't, uh, go get a cup of coffee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but please do that. I appreciate it. And if you do have questions or you have show ideas, my email for the show is thejeffcavenshow at ascensionpress.com. That is thejeffcavenshow at ascensionpress.com. Hey, some of you are asking about our next pilgrimage to Israel. And uh, in May of this particular year, which happens to be 
2018. Father Mike Schmidt and I are going to be going to Israel in May. That one is sold out, but I will be going back in January of 2019. If you're interested, go to my website, jeffcavens.com. Under Pilgrimage tab, we have the information there, and we would love for you to join us. We really do believe we've got the best pilgrimages to Israel. We teach two or three times every day. We have Mass every day at really cool places like Jerusalem and Capernaum and Nazareth and Bethlehem. And we have the, uh, the prayer of the rosary, every mystery where it belongs. So you're going to have a good time. And I encourage you to go with us to Israel. And if you have questions about that Israel trip and you don't find it on the web, you can use the same email, the Jeff Caven Show at ascensionpress.com. I want to, before I get into the topic, one more thing. I want to, I want to ask your, you for your prayers. And the reason for that is that I am writing two books right now, and I'm coming up with two new Bible studies that I am so excited about. Uh, and um, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag at this point because I I want to want to keep incubating and writing right now. But I need your prayers, and I just would like to ask your prayers for the work that I'm I'm doing now. This year, they will be uh, out in the wild, and you'll know about it, but I'm just asking for your prayers right now. Well, let's talk about hope, shall we, a bit? Uh, Hope. Well, number one, before, before we get into definitions and all that, I want you to know something. If you are if you are baptized, the church teaches that if you are baptized, you received three wonderful, juicy virtues at baptism. Faith is number one. You have faith. You might not feel like it, but you have it. Number two, you have hope. You have hope. You might not feel like it, but there's hope there. And then the third is charity. And I want you to know that because sometimes people say, well, in my current situation, I am hopeless. I don't have any hope. And if you're a, if you are a, a baptized Christian, you do have those three secret ingredients, faith, hope, and charity. You might not feel like it, but I want you to know it's there. And what I'm, what I'm about today is, is trying to cultivate that in your life because anchor is really truly an uh, or uh, hope is truly an anchor uh, for the soul so with that out of the way knowing you do have hope it might be latent it might be uh, quiet at this point it's there okay it is there now the dictionary defines hope as the expectation and desire for a thing uh, plato said that the human existence says that human existence is is determined not merely by acceptance of the present and recollection of the past but also by expectation of the future either good or bad so we could say that hopes are subjective projections of the future. You see your future a certain way. You see next week in that meeting you have to go to in a certain way. It's not objective. It's subjective. That's your projection of tomorrow. That's your projection of your troubled teen. That's your projection of your, of your marriage. But what does the Bible have to say about hope? Uh, you know, cause, cause so often, uh, to us, uh, hope means hope so. You know, someone says, uh, you think it's going to be a sunny day tomorrow? Ah, I hope so. Hope so. That's like a guess. But in the scriptures, hope never has such uncertainty connected to it. Certain, uh, indeed, uh, certainty is inherent 
in the idea of hope. Think of reading Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. By the way, I'll have all this in the show notes. And, and some of you have said, I want those every week. And I think that's what we're going to be doing. I should have an answer for you by next week, I think, on this issue of us sending out show notes automatically if you want them. And if you do, you can uh, write to the Jeff Caven Show at ascensionpress.com. Well, back to our topic, Titus 2.13. Think about reading that in the modern in the modern sense and that would read like it would read like this you know uh it would read that uh we have a blessed hope so instead of a blessed hope we have a blessed hope so now hope means something sure something certain that just hasn't happened yet the hebrew word for hope is tikva t-i-q-v-a tikva hope is expectation of good and it's linked with trust and yearning. A good definition would be an interest or desire whose fulfillment is cherished. I like what it says in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 4, so long as there is life, there is hope. And I want to encourage you today, no matter what is happening in your life right now, uh, what has happened in your marriage, your finances, your children, your health, uh, at work, as long as there is life, there's hope. And I want to extend that hope to you today. You're listening to this, this show for a reason. You need hope. The life of the righteous is grounded in a hope that implies a future because it points its point of reference is God. And that's what makes us different as Christians is our point of reference when it comes to hope is God. It isn't our own background and experience. And there is a difference in the kind of hope of Plato. And there's a difference in the kind of hope in Scripture. Plato speaks of a hope that is a projection from oneself concerning the future. In other words, I create my future with the limited brain power I have and, and limited experience and limited resources and wisdom. But the hope that the Bible talks about is a projection of the future from God's perspective, and that is, that is unlimited experience, unlimited power, unlimited wisdom. There's a big difference there. Now, the, uh, the philosopher uh, Nietzsche held that hope, get this, maybe, maybe, maybe Nietzsche is talking to your situation. Nietzsche held that hope was the worst of evils. Why? Because it prolongs the torment of man. I'm not going to subscribe to that. I hope you don't either. The hope that the Bible speaks of is good expectation about the future because of what God has done and says he will continue to do. What a difference. If you muster hope on your own, it results in a false sense of security. What are some ways that we create our own sense of hope without God? Well, uh, man is a hopeful being. Okay, we're going to look at some of these ways that we create our own hope and some of the false things that we hope in. But, but let, let's talk about man as a, as a hopeful being to begin with. Because man is limited in his knowledge of the future and because man is aware of different scenarios for the future, he's hopeful. For he naturally seeks fulfillment and meaning in life. We are made to hope. God has placed this hope within us. Look at the, the examples uh, the, that, uh, that you are familiar with in sports, for example. The greatest quarterbacks 
complete only six out of 10 passes. There's four of them that they fail, but they've got hope. Six out of 10. The best basketball players only make about one half of their shots, but they're hopeful. Major League Baseball players make first base only 40% of the time, and that includes walks. Top oil companies, even with the consultation of, of expert geologists, find oil in only one well in 10. Yet they keep going. There's a hope. A successful TV actor is turned down 29 out of 30 times after auditioning for roles in commercials. Winners in the stock market make money only two out of five investments, yet they keep investing. There's some kind of hope there. Perhaps one of the most dramatic examples in history of perseverance in the face of repeated defeat is the professional record of Abraham Lincoln. He lost his job in 1832. He was defeated for the legislature in 1832. He failed in business in 1833. He was elected to the legislature in 1834. He suffered the loss of his sweetheart who died in 1835. He suffered a nervous breakdown in 1836. He was defeated for speaker of the state legislature in 1838. He was defeated for nomination for Congress in 1843. He was elected to Congress in 1846. Yay. He lost his renomination for Congress in 1848. He was rejected for the position of land officer in 1849. He was defeated for Senate in 1854. He was defeated for the nomination for vice president in 1856. He was defeated again for the Senate in 1858. And Abraham Lincoln, after persevering and walking in hope, was elected president of the United States in 1860. What an amazing story of tenacity, perseverance, hope, hope in the face of overwhelming odds. When we really examine hope, we see that hope is an activating and guiding principle for life. In looking at the various categories of life, faith, intellectual endeavors, bodily desires, moral ideals, social interests, we see that hope is a major factor in all of these areas. None of the disciplines that I just mentioned spur one to action without some measure of hope or certainty. And that is, that is a fact. You could say in a real way that hope is a crossroad in our life. Hope can lead to sin. Hope can lead to obedience. It may err as well as guide correctly. Eve, the wife of Adam, hoped to achieve wisdom when she ate the fruit. What hope does depends on what a man seeks to find fulfillment in and on what his hope is based. Some hope in riches. 1 Timothy 6.17 uh, Some hope in riches command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Some people put their hope in, in man, mankind, men, women, 
Psalm 118.8, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Some people put their hope in idols. Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 48.13, he warned, he said, Then Moab will be ashamed at Chemosh, as the house of Israel was ashamed when they trusted in idols in Bethel. Some put their hopes in things. Have you ever done that? You put your hope in things? Psalm 33.17 says, A horse is a vain hope. For deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. Don't put hope in things that cannot get the job done. Misplaced hope can be very deceiving and destructive. So where is your hope? I want to talk to you about that. I'm going to take a break right now. When we come back, I'm going to talk about putting your hope in God and the opportunity that God is going to give you to open a door of hope where right now there is despair in your life. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascension presents. That's youtube.com slash ascension presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. Welcome back. Talking about hope. Hatikva, the hope. It's the national anthem of Israel. Hope is a theological virtue that has been given to you at baptism. It's there. You can cultivate it. Uh, you can hope in things. You can hope in yourself. You can hope in men, or you can hope in God. And a hope that is based in God is a projection of the future that is a good future that is based on His power, His wisdom, His resources, all of it rather than a subjective sense of hope based on your own experiences and wisdom and resources. I want to say something very important, and this is it. God wants us to have hope when we have let him down or have sinned greatly. Maybe you have experienced this where you got caught up in sin and you wanted to put your life back together again. But you found it difficult because of the sin in your life. You didn't think that there was hope and that God wouldn't receive you back. But I want you to know today, and I mean this, my friend, with all of my heart, God wants you to have hope more than you need hope, more than you want hope. God wants you to have hope when you have let even him down or have sinned greatly. That's why he gave you hope to help you in times like this. Some, of, some may be holding things in and, and it has robbed your hope. And this is what God said to Israel through the prophet Hosea. Listen to this. This is incredibly powerful, what I'm going to share with you right now. In fact, this is the type of thing you're probably going to send on to your friends. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Go ahead, send it on to your friends. Let's share the hope. I hope you do. This is what God said to Israel through the prophet Hosea. For 40 years, from 755 to 710 BC, during Israel's dark days, he faithfully warned of God's coming judgment of a rebellious and disobedient people. But at the same time, he reminded them of God's love. 
The moving story of Hosea's marriage to Gomer, a prostitute, who left him to become uh, a prostitute in pagan Baal fertility worship, enabled the prophet to identify with God's broken heart uh, and his anguish over Israel's unfaithfulness. And God wanted things to be right between him and his people. God said of Israel through the prophet, he said, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. In Hebrew, the words speak comfort to her or speak tenderly to her mean speak to her heart. The message God wanted Israel to hear was one of a new deliverance and a new hope. So God spoke through the prophet Hosea to Israel, and he said this, and this is the basic message that he said to Israel. He said, I am your husband. You have been unfaithful. You are going to be judged, and you're going to go into exile. But I will not forget you. I will come after you. I will seek you, and I will give you living water. That is the message of Hosea to Israel, who is the ten tribes to the north, right? That was the message. But God also said something really, really important about hope to Israel in Hosea chapter 2 and verse 15. Now listen to this. This is the gold right here. (laughs) He says, therefore, I will give her back her vineyards because she's been unfaithful and will make the valley of Ahor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. Now, now here, I want you to notice something here, okay? God says, I'm going to make the valley of Ahor, A-C-H-O-R, a door of hope. Now, what is the valley of Ahor? What is that exactly? It's a metaphor, right? It's a door of hope. God's going to make the valley of Ahor a door of hope. What is the valley of Ahor in Israel's history? Let me explain it to you. Just takes a moment. You're going to love it. The valley of Ahor was synonymous with failure. You see, once Israel came over the Jordan River... In the book of Joshua, they came over the Jordan River, they took Jericho, and then the next city that they were supposed to take is a small city by the name of Ai. And God said, when you go to Ai, you shall not take anything for yourself. When you go to Jericho, you should not take anything for yourself. It's a complete holocaust to the Lord. But one man took some of the loot from Jericho and took it to himself, hid it for himself, His name, Achan. Achan kept out for himself clothing, silver, gold. And the sin was revealed, and Achan and his family were dealt with. But the point is, it held back the entire nation from taking the little city of Achor, or the city of of Ai, rather. Now, where did this happen? This was a great disgrace. Where did it happen? Where did this sin of, of Achan happen? The Valley of Ahor. So any time in the future that if Israel wanted to speak about a a time that was really, really devastating, disgraceful, sign of failure, all they had to say was Valley of Ahor. Valley of Ahor. 
Can I, can I ask you a question? Do you have a valley of Ahor? Do you have a time in your life where it was disgraceful, a failure, embarrassing, and it has come to define your life and you can't get rid of it? Is that your valley of Ahor? Listen to what God said to his beloved. I will make the valley of Ahor a door of hope. My friend, this might be one of the one of the greatest messages you have ever heard, and that is this. The very thing that has happened in your life that has led to such disgrace and dishonor and hurt and pain can become a door of hope for you. The people who heard Hosea knew exactly what he was speaking of. For them, it was a code word for a terrible failure. And in the context of tender, the tender love of God for Israel, this is the message. The worst time can become a door of hope. But in spite of all that had happened, the Lord is now saying that he will transform Israel's valley of Ahor into a, a door of hope, a way out. And he's saying the same thing to you today. He's saying the same thing to you today. Perhaps you've lost hope because of some sin in the past, some scandal in the present. But God can take that sin and transform it into a door of hope. I want to encourage you in that today because we cannot go forward with hopelessness. When you lose hope, you enter despair and despair can lead to the end of all things for you. And it, it is a sin against justice. The God, God deserves what, 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 what he has, has done for you. He deserves the fruit of what he has done for you. Listen to what Paul said in Romans can't get enough of scripture, can we? Romans 5, starting in verse 1, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Isn't that great? We rejoice in our hope. We rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. I love that. Now, I'm sitting here looking at all kinds of, of scriptures on note, or not, on hope, that I would just, I'd love to just rattle them all off to you. I really, really would, but I'm not going to do it right now. But I, I will do this. I will do this. I will put them all in the show notes. And I'm talking about about 30 to 40 scriptures on hope. They're going to be in the show notes if you want them. Uh, and you can meditate on them because it's good. But I want to end with this one particular scripture, which I love. It's Hebrews 6, verses 17 through 19. Listen to this. 
If you're moved by the word of God, you might want to pull over on the side of the road. <laughs> Listen to this. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. I love that. What do I love? I love that statement. Hope is an anchor for the soul. Let me talk to you just, just, just one-on-one here for a moment. You feel like you are a ship that's out of control? You're in the middle of the sea and you see no land. There's no other ships around. You feel empty, depleted. God is throwing you an, an anchor to stop this. And that anchor is hope. From this day forward, stop looking at the future from your own perspective and adopt his worldview, his perspective. No longer is it just an objective future projection or a, in, or a subjective future projection, but it is a future projection based on his faithfulness and his provision and his track record in his love for you. He has a hope for you that is good. It is good. It is a good projection. And that's what Jeremiah the prophet once said. He, he said, it, said it so well. He said, do, you know, he said uh, that God has a future and a hope for you. Isn't that great? It's Jeremiah 29, 11. I'll give it to you now. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Let me end with this. If your view of God is this master in heaven who is waiting to punish you at every wrong turn in your life, you have missed the boat. He is your father. And as your father, he wants you to succeed. He wants you to have a bright tomorrow. He wants you to experience the plans that he has for your future. Agree with him. Don't agree with the enemy. Don't agree with this world. Don't agree with that past projection of yours that was always coming up. You know, I'm a loser. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just a worm. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Listen to your Heavenly Father. He loves you. He's given you a hope. And as long as you have breath and life... There is hope. Put your hope in him. Say it after me right now. Just say, Lord Jesus. Go ahead and say it. Lord Jesus. I understand the situation that I'm in. And I know that my own projection of the future will not win in this situation. I put my hope in you. 
I put my hope in your finished work on the cross. I put my hope in your eternal plan for my life. And I put my hope in your power. And I accept that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope this... Uh, I hope this show has been some benefit as I'm looking, as I'm looking, you know, at my um, notes that I prepared for you. I've got literally, I'm not kidding you. I think I got 30 or 40 other scriptures on hope that I would love, I would love to share with you, but I can't do it in the time that I have. I'm just going to put it in the show notes. Okay. Show notes this week, solid gold. You win. You get it all. It's going to be really good. And I hope you share it with others. Uh, please share the show with other people that you know might need a little bit of hope today in their life. And again, go to iTunes. Go to the Google uh, site that you might uh, get the show from and leave your comments and rank the show. Let me close in prayer for you. I just I want you to know I do love you. And and that's why I, I'm here. I, I want to share this with you. And I am uh, blown away at how many people come up to me on the road and say, I listen regularly and I think, great, we got a relationship. This is great. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I thank you today for the hope that you have given us. I thank you for the plans you have for us, and I thank you that you have given us hope even at baptism. We want to grow in that hope and cultivate it by looking to you and walking in faithfulness. We refuse to believe lies, Lord, about our current situation, and we put our hope in you and your idea of what our future is. For our future is based on your finished work, not on our failures. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.